According to the Association of Ontario Midwives and Ryerson's Midwifery Education Program, of the nearly 1,000 midwives that are currently registered in Ontario, less than 30 self-identify as Black. The lack of diversity in the field of midwifery is a concern for midwifery care across Canada. The implications of this lack is noticeable when Black pregnant folk mention that they feel more comfortable with care from someone who shares their lived experience. In 2018, Serena Williams' birth and postpartum care was a notable example of a Black mother who said she didn't feel heard by her doctors. Some were left wondering if her experience would have been different had Serena been in the hands of a care provider who knew the struggles and violence Black communities face in the world of healthcare. Pregnancy, birth, parenting. It means so many different things to so many different people. What does living a healthy reproductive life mean in the context of reproductive justice? Our birth conversations are often the kind that get left out of the mainstream. I promise, like life, we will leave you with some answers, but perhaps more questions. These are the birth conversations that matter. These are the birth talks. Are you ready? Today, our guests are Althea Jones, a registered midwife in Toronto and founder of Womb and Wellness, an organization aimed at addressing the gaps in maternity care. She is also the founder of Ancestral Hands, an initiative to create a midwife-led maternity program that is focused on the Black community. As well, our second guest is Vincia Herbert. She is also a registered midwife in Toronto. And while living and working in Montreal, her involvement in many initiatives that promoted community building, anti-discrimination, equity inclusion, eventually drew her towards the client-centered approach found within midwifery care. Today, I chat with these two amazing Black midwives about their experiences as midwives in the greater Toronto area. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm curious, as we start off this conversation, what is a story or an encounter that kind of sums up your experience as a Black midwife in Canada? Well, I think if you're asking for one experience that sums up what it's been like to be a Black midwife, maybe one that comes to mind is I had a Black client who came into care. She, this was a first-time parent who was relatively uninformed about you know, birth and prenatal care and what all of this whole thing meant. But she knew that she wanted to have a midwife and preferably she wanted to have a Black midwife. And so I think the first part of this is that she articulated in her intake that she wanted somebody who was Black because she was afraid of the maternal mortality that she was hearing about in the States. And I bring her up because during the course of her care, she got opted in for a study about um, preeclampsia. And she did not, but she actually did not consent to be included in that study. It happened kind of over her head and it ended up being this whole series of conversations and emails and phone calls with the research team because I was like, she doesn't have any recollection of being included in the study. How did this happen? And then it ended up being that they, she just opted in based on her levels. They were testing certain markers early on in her pregnancy and she, she ended up being included just based on those levels. And they actually changed the parameters of the entire study 
Now that's okay, but if you are if you're being included in a study, a research study that has certain um, medications that are being um, offered to you, or certain treatments, or ultrasounds, or whatever, I think it's really important that that person knows uh, that they're being included, and then also what the rest of that course of care would look like. But she was never informed. She just basically found out because she was sitting. Uh, in the hospital and somebody handed her an envelope that was different than the other people in the room. And so for me, that exemplifies why I feel a lot of people are seeking out Black midwives because there's this idea that they're not getting served accurately or appropriately by the rest of the medical system. And they're hoping for a more respectful, truly like care-based approach to their pregnancy experience. Wow. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the uh, the need for adequate and appropriate care and this conversation about consent and having informed decision making uh, as part of that process, which I know some people struggle with that in understanding the difference between implied or informed consent and an actual informed decision making process, which are very much two different things. Althea, would, is there a particular sort of encounter or story that comes to mind for yourself? And I'm, I'm curious about it in the context of Ancestral Hands. This initiative that you're working on tirelessly is first of its kind in Canada. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there is one kind of experience that I can tell you about, but I'll just kind of sum it up by saying a lack of community. For me, often the only Black midwife at the clinic often not seeing many black clients at the clinic as well. And so like going to conferences or even at rounds at the hospital, like being one of the only black care providers there for me, midwifery in Ontario has just kind of been that lack of community and and lack of seeing others like me in the spaces that I'm in. And that ties into ancestral hands because I just started thinking about it and have been thinking about it and having discussed with other midwives, they've also thought about it a lot too, throughout their career. Why is it? Why aren't there as many Black clients utilizing midwifery care? Where are the other Black midwives? Even though it's a small group of care providers in terms of midwives, we're relatively small, but we're often not in the same places at the same time because of the way that we work. And so it was pretty rare that I would see other Black midwives. And so um, that's part of where Ancestral Hands came about is that like, I really think it could be powerful that we unite um, to be able to help and support each other throughout this profession. And then also to be able to serve our community where many of us aren't able to do that in the current model of midwifery practice uh, that we're in. So that's kind of what sums it up for me. When I hear you talking about this lack of community and just thinking about the stats of less than 30 self-identified Black midwives in Ontario alone, and I kind of wonder where is the change needed in order to create this community before we even get to the place of ancestral hands? I think we've started. I don't know. I, I just find midwifery and practice is just so busy that oftentimes you're just kind of in this you know, just work, 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 go, 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 kind of self-preservation mode where you really just have time for your work and hopefully your family and yourself. And so I think just kind of being more conscious about it that, oh, hey, there are other Black midwives out there, just being more vocal about it and then seeing different ways that we connect and just being open to the fact that that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. 
And what would you say for yourself, Vincia? Do you think that anything else needs to be done in addition to initiatives like the Ancestral Hands to create more diversity within midwifery? Well, I definitely feel that we need to be talking more about sexual health from the time kids are small, from the time they're adolescents in high school, and just normalizing pregnancy. I say this because if we're going to attract more Black midwives or Black students to midwifery, I feel like we need to just as a society kind of reclaim this. Like we need to say that, you know, pregnancy is a normal part of a life. It isn't this complication that exists only at the hospital or is only um, something that doctors can attend to. And I know that in the times that I've presented for high school students, there's just been a lot of, oh, like never thought about that. You know, usually our discourse around pregnancy is just don't get pregnant, right? Especially for younger people. But really, if we're thinking that this is a four-year program that, you know, some people have had an, an undergrad degree, some people are coming straight from high school, we really need to be talking about what midwifery is and what pregnancy is and, you know, sexual health in general earlier on. And I think that's going to, A, make people more likely to choose this as a potential option. Maybe it might make them choose midwives, you know, for their own pregnancies. And I think really give the power to the folks who are going to be joining the rest of us. You know, as Althea was saying, there's so much isolation as a Black midwife and as a Black midwifery student. And I think we just need numbers. We need to get people interested in this as a valid profession. It sounds like the foundation needs an an overhaul, that there needs to be some shifts in the way we engage in the conversations and where the education has to start, that it's not just in the university classrooms, but it's far sooner, far earlier than that, so that people just have a level of awareness. If I can just piggyback on what Vincy was saying. Absolutely. And just in terms of talking to students, and I think it's important that we introduce midwifery early and just to understand the model of care and informed choice, because I think it can really affect how people even navigate through the healthcare system, understanding that they have choices, that they have a voice, and that they are the primary decision maker. And I think if you instill that early, in people, it's very important, especially for the Black youth, about how it's very important for how they move through the healthcare system and how those interactions are going to go and how they're going to feel, especially coming from a place with more power and understanding, I think is really important. I think midwifery does that. And I think introducing it early not only helps people understand that they have that midwifery as an option, but also makes it a career option as well. Mm-hmm. And as Black midwives, how do you feel about navigating this healthcare system that is largely white dominated when you are not only advocating for the profession, um, you're advocating for yourself as an autonomous care provider, but you're also advocating for your clients. How does that fare in terms of the way that you show up or the challenges that you face? I think as Althea said earlier, it can be lonely. You know, we in some ways are delegitimized as midwives. I think partially because of the history of midwifery in Western medicine, you know, it was really seen as the domain of uneducated, dangerous people, especially black midwives. And so I think it takes some degree of like gumption, I think it is, to really hold these ancestral hands, oh my goodness, our ancestral hands, 
and really come to the table knowing that we are well-trained, knowing that we know our stuff and that we know our clients. Because I think sometimes what happens, especially in the hospital, is because it's such a structured institution, there's a very distinct hierarchy and we already struggle as midwives to find our place in the hospital. I think as a Black midwife, we are also facing the daily racism of just being Black in those spaces. So one thing that I've noticed just in the course of, you know, being a student and now a practicing midwife is I think in every hospital situation that I've been in, I've been really fortunate to have Black nurses as allies. And it's almost like you have this gatekeeper, but also this protective bubble around you when the rest of the team sees your relationship with this other respected Black care provider. And so I go in and I, I know who my people are, and that's one way that it buffers against some of the intensity and some of the negativity that comes from being a Black person in this institution. The other part that I said was just, I know my client. You know, what you were saying about advocating for your client, it looks really different when you've had a relationship that's been building in a relationship of trust, not just your client for you, but you also knowing and understanding your client. It makes for a different story. I feel like there's a lot of gaps in general just within the handover system at the hospital. And the fact that we're able to hold this client's entire prenatal history and you know, anything else that's relevant is really a powerful thing. So when we're giving a consult to our OB or an anesthesiologist, it's very helpful because they might just look at the objective parts of this person's identity and not know that they had this reaction to freezing or anesthesia 20 years ago, right? But, and you're able to bring that to them as the person who's consulting with them. So I think need the protective layer and we also are the protective layer, which sometimes means that I feel like the added burden that's placed on us is very real. And I sometimes fear that until there is more adequate integration, that you are going to start losing more and more people in the field. For me, to be honest, coming into midwifery, I was a little bit ignorant and midwifery was a lot more political than I had ever thought it would be like throughout the program. I never really thought about that. And to be honest, I really did not think about my blackness that much or being a black midwife as I was practicing because it was already difficult enough just to navigate as a midwife period. I never even got to a place where I could think about that other layer because it was just hard enough just advocating for myself as an autonomous care provider, advocating for my clients, whether they be black or white, and just being able to stand on my own two feet. And so now kind of looking back on those experiences, and now I kind of think, oh, like, I, I wonder if, you know, my race had something to do with how those OBs interacted with me or how those nurses interacted, or even how some clients perceived me. But actually, the, the time when I was in the space, I didn't think about it at all, like very, very rarely. And I think I just didn't have the brain space to go there because there was already so much other work to be done. And just once again, to go off of what Vincia said, I think being allies to one another is, is really powerful and can really help each other. And it's hard when you're not usually in the same space at the same time. But even as you see students and whenever you can see other midwives, Black midwives in particular, that need support just to be, be there and be that support for them. Because I think sometimes in midwifery settings, I've seen that 
you went through a hard time. So you want other people to go through a hard time too. It's just like kind of this odd thing that happens, but just to be able to say like, no, like I've already gone through this. Why would I want somebody else to, and being able to stand up for other people is so important. There are a few things that you both have said that really resonates with me. And I think will resonate with people who are listening to this podcast, but I'm curious though, as you're navigating these systems, Is it scary for you as a Black identified midwife, as a midwife, knowing that has its own nuance, not necessarily that you're pushing back, but maybe it will be perceived that you're pushing back as you ask for change within the system? Is that a scary process? Yeah, it's, it it definitely, yes, it, it is a scary process a little bit, but this is a little bit personal, but for me, I... I kind of plan to do my own thing regardless. And so if I don't go back to active clinical practice in the way that midwifery exists, I'm okay with that. So in that regard, it's a little bit easier for me to take that risk because I could be like, oh, oh well, I'm just not going to go back to active practice. So I understand that for other people who are currently in practices or want to go back to practices, they, they wouldn't be able to necessarily do this because I, I'm sure some people are, are not happy with the questions I'm asking or what I'm trying to propose here. I've seen a lot of performative allyship where it's like, yeah, this is a great idea. This is really good. We hope you, you get it going. But then when I actually ask for concrete things like, okay, well, w- will you sign this, this letter of support? It's, it's crickets. So I, I definitely understand that not everyone's happy about what I'm doing, but they don't have to be. That's just the reality of what this is. And I understand there are going to be some people that ride with me and many more that don't. And I just hold tight to those supports and keep on going. How do you find the resolve to keep going when you are faced with those kind of challenges? It's definitely, there's, there's good days and there's bad days. <laughs> there's days when you're just like disappointed. It's like, oh, come on. Like, why, why won't you support me in this? But then there's always just kind of nice things that come up. It might be just a message from somebody on Instagram or Facebook. Just the other day, I got a message from a midwifery student who's just been accepted to the program just saying, I'm just so happy to see what you're doing. It's been great to see other black midwives. I just got accepted into the program and, you know, like I'm inspired by you all. So there's always, as much as there's hardships and negative things, there's always those little gems that keep you going and keep you striving and and remind you of why you do this. And that's the ultimate thing is that I I know this is needed. And so, yes, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle, but it's just so important. It's too important to just give up as much time and energy as I have to dedicate to it. I will continue to do that. And it's little gains that kind of keep you going along the way. Like I got a, a small grant from a foundation to just do some of the education work that I'm hoping to do. So as long as those little things keep happening to push me along, then then I'm here. Congrats on that grant, first of all. And also, I appreciate you highlighting just that the work isn't always easy, but that doesn't mean that there aren't nuggets to keep you going through the process. And we know when you have systems that are very well established, regardless of what cracks may exist within those systems, that it's really hard to break down those walls and break down those barriers and create something entirely different, entirely outside of their scope of imagination, I would even say. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. And I would assume even some mistakes, 
and a lot of learning on the fly. Um, so much learning. Yes, yeah, so much <laughs> learning. Um, a lot of learning as I go. And, and I also throw in that I'm inspired by the other Black midwives that have had the privilege of connecting with and the hard work that they're doing in their own spaces and the support that they've given is also something that I can always fall back on. So that's, you know, and just being able to, to know that there's such a great, amazing core of, of talent and knowledge that can be drawn upon to help with this initiative is, is so important. Absolutely. So then the question becomes, for those who don't identify as Black, what would you tell them that they need to know? Or what would you ask of them to do in order for them to make a difference? Midwives? Yeah, I would say midwives in particular. Yeah, I said midwives as opposed to clients, because I do think that there is a responsibility for all folks who are not Black in terms of supporting Black people. So for our colleagues, you know, I really think there needs to just be more autonomous education. We don't want to always have to inform you of the issues. We want you to be looking for the answers yourself. And, you know, the other thing is that we know that there's so many answers, like there's so many tangible steps that are available online. And a part of that was a product of what happened last summer, when all of a sudden there's all these like reading lists just to understand how anti-Black racism works. The other thing would be, I think, to really have a guided integration for Black midwives into practices. It's not enough to just hire us. There has to be an integration process and then opportunities for leadership, I think is really important. So whether that's on the board of the AOM or the CMO or just in committees, I think that's a really important piece because it ties us to the future of midwifery. It's not just you're in, now we're diverse, we can serve a diverse clientele and the upper echelons of practice never change. I think that's happening. I think there, it's really exciting to see board membership changing, to see these projects happening from midwifery students. And I think more of our non-Black colleagues are getting on board, beginning to realize more and more that it's not enough to provide midwifery care to Black clients or to work alongside Black midwives. It's actually working daily to push against the institutional racism that exists within our society. So I think that is one thing, well, that's a list of things that midwives who are not Black can do. And then for our clients, I've been having some conversations about the type of work that we do, the value of the work of Black midwives for our clients. And unfortunately, there sometimes are these expectations that we will be somebody's best friend or somebody's emotional care support. And this is aside from, of course, like this emotional support of providing good prenatal, intrapartum and postpartum care. It's more like you're going to be available to me all the time. And there's something about our bodies being coded as protectors and care providers that sometimes means that we have a little bit more fraught relationship with some of our clients who have unrealistic expectations of what we're able to provide to them. So I would just say it'd be helpful if more people just kind of looked at this interaction that we have, this very privileged and actually really cool relationship that we're able to have in this midwifery and midwife and client relationship, but also just check their expectations. What are they based on? Is it based on the fact that you've just watched a bunch of movies where you have like a sassy black friend who is like providing this kind of like 
jokey buddy buddy care or do you see me as a, a legitimate well-educated safe care provider who's going to help you through this process so yeah i definitely think that there are different levels different levels of how we would want our colleagues and our clients to support us in the work that we do and i think it comes down to their personal desire make this a more equitable practice totally agree i would say for midwives just to do the work and and i don't really really know what that is because the space i'm coming from is very different than um, my non-black colleagues so i i, I can't necessarily guide you through that work <laughs> and mm. maybe everyone kind of has to personally figure out what that work is for themselves but that needs to happen be open to change and some of it might feel uncomfortable I don't know why people would be threatened by something like ancestral hands. It's it's a way to bring more people to midwifery versus competition. I, I don't really understand the dynamic of, of being threatened by change, but I think that people need to be open to change. People need to, other midwives need to advocate for their Black midwives, especially when they see that in their hospital or like other people are not respecting them and just kind of keep it in their mind that part of that might be because of race and not just to think, oh, like you, you didn't chart this right. And that's why they're mad. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. But think about if somebody else did the same thing, would the reaction be the same and see how you can support and vocally be really visible about supporting people um, in that space, because it's tough to be alone and it's tough to not feel like you have the support of your colleagues, especially when you're being treated differently than other people and other midwives. I wonder in thinking about the highs and lows of the work and thinking, I, I'm really glad that you brought this up, Vincia, about the the insurgents uh, last summer after the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, amongst so many others, that there was a uprising socially and then subsequent anti-Black racism and anti-racism uh, text all on all the top 20 book list and everybody was just grabbing them off of the shelves and then it feels like it's crickets this year that it's just there's not to say people aren't doing their work but it just it feels like it was a uh, a trend things that we could handle a year and a half ago so for me i'm actually taking a leave right now i'm going to be going to do a master's in the fall and in some ways that's part of my self-care you know just getting out of the cycle for a little while in order to come back with maybe more skills that are able to be offered to my practice my colleagues my clients but as if i think about how i've been maintaining balance i haven't been doing a great job and i say this knowing what I say to my clients, you know, it doesn't matter, like your, you or your health is the most important thing. So I've been doing a poor job, I think, um, physically. Now, in terms of emotionally, I will say that connecting with my colleagues who get it, Althea brought us together on this group of Black midwives. It is like healing balm to be in a group of Black midwives who know the deal, you know, we've all worked on call, we know what it is to come home exhausted, falling asleep in your clothes, knowing you have to shower, like we've been there. And that in some ways is enough to just get me through those really hard moments. And I think also give moments for joy and celebration and laughter. 
because I know I'm working at a little bit of a deficit, but I still laugh. I still have joyful moments. And I feel that kind of speaks to a lot of our, our Black experiences, right? You know, yes, there's all of the things. There's police violence. There's inadequate care. There's inequity on a systemic level. But hello, have there ever been more joyful people, right? Like we are able to find moments to thrive even when we're physically not thriving. And I think so much of that is due to community and having those people around you who can nurture you when you're kind of not able to do that yourself. So I've been trying to tap into that a little bit more, but it is hard. It is hard to find the time. So so I'm grateful for spaces like that one that allows it to just be a little break in the day. And sometimes it means taking a step away from work for a while so that the well can be filled and you're able to come back renewed and maybe with some more boundaries to be able to provide this care more long term. Yeah, like Vincia, I, I never found it easy while clinically practicing to make sure that I was okay. I, I did my best in that, like I really set boundaries. I'm I'm not the type of midwife that will stay on call for things. Like when I'm off call, I am off call. And and that's just the way that I had to do it because I needed time where I knew I could sleep. I needed time where I knew I could go to my kids whatever without, you know, needing to take two cars and doing all this contingency planning that you just need time for yourself and your family. So I really was just strict about that. And, you know, not everybody in midwifery practice likes that because some of them will do soft call (laughs) and think it's okay. And then they, and everyone wants to kind of push the way they work on other people, but you know, that's, everyone has to have their own thing and their own way to make it in this profession. And for me, that was one of mine. It's just strict boundaries. When I'm off, I'm off. And that's it. When I'm on, I'm on, I'm working, I'm good. But when I'm not, that is my time and I'm not going to do work (laughs) during that time. And so for me, that was important. Also, like Vincia said, taking breaks was important for me. Like I would kind of have a plan, like I'm going to do this for five years and then I'm going to take time off and see what else I can do. Um, I kind of have to see that kind of end of the cycle because with midwifery, there's never like a downtime, right? And I think <laughs> in other professions, sometimes you do have that, but healthcare, like there's not a downtime. It's just constant and the on-call is, is a tough thing to maintain. So for me, I had to have scheduled in like full stops where I could actually like wind down and have less clients and then just be done for a while. That's been really important since you asked the question. And now I'm thinking about perhaps talking to people that have been in the profession for a long time and just, just discussing what works for them and maybe pulling little bits and pieces from them and see if you can kind of incorporate that into your self-care and practice to be able to have longevity would maybe be a good strategy as well. I think the for lack of a better word, I think the beauty in what you both have shared is that future generations of midwives, student midwives can take hopefully some nuggets as well from what you've shared so that they can integrate that into the ways in which they wish to practice and the ways in which they show up. And I also think even for midwives who are currently practicing or other healthcare providers, there's a lot of ways in which we can use your experiences and your insights for the ways that we show up and provide care, not just for others, but even for ourselves. And I think that that's really important and really valuable lessons. And that doesn't mean it doesn't come with, I would say, hard moments, 
putting it mildly, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about how few Black midwives there are and how many projects or hopes or communities that we want to serve, our committees that are there and boards that are available, you know, there's only so many of us to make ourselves available for all of these different things. So some way or another, it's almost like we're going to be inherently stretched because of the nature of our work and our desires to create change. And so for me, you know, just hearing that finding better boundaries, stronger boundaries and advocating for ourselves is a good reminder in the ways that we can show up for ourselves as we navigate this work. If you love the podcast, please leave the podcast a review or subscribe on iTunes to keep it going. Think you have a birth conversation that matters and want to share? We are always looking for stories. So contact us at thebirthtalks.com or on Facebook. If you have comments on this episode, find us on Twitter or Facebook at The Birth Talks or use the hashtag The Birth Talks. I'm your host, Trish Langley Frempong. Until next time. <laughs>